It's time for another episode in Series 3 of the Evening Under Lamplight Podcasts, with me, Robert Louis Abrahamson, looking at another one of Stevenson's fables, this time a longer fable than usual, almost a mini-short story. It's a kind of allegory, I suppose, uh, about the way smug religious leaders impose their authority over the population. It's called the yellow paint. Here it is. The yellow paint. In a certain city there lived a physician who sold yellow paint. It was of so singular a virtue that whoso was bedaubed with it from head to heel was set free from the dangers of life and the bondage of sin and the fear of death for ever. So the physician said in his prospectus, and so said all the citizens in the city, and there was nothing more urgent in man's hearts than to be properly painted themselves, and nothing they took more delight in than to see others painted. There was, in the same city, a young man of a very good family, but of a somewhat reckless life, who had reached the age of manhood and would have nothing to say to the paint. Tomorrow was soon enough, said he, and when the morrow came he would still put it off. So he might have continued to do until his death. Only he had a friend of about his own age and much of his own manners, and this youth, taking a walk in the public street with not one fleck of paint upon his body, was suddenly run down by a water-cart and cut off in the heyday of his nakedness. This shook the other to the soul, so that I never beheld a man more earnest to be painted, and on the very same evening, in the presence of all his family, to appropriate music, and himself weeping aloud, he received three complete coats, and a touch of varnish on the top. The physician, who was himself affected even to tears, protested he had never done a job so thorough. Some two months afterwards, the young man was carried on a stretcher to the physician's house. "'What is the meaning of this?' he cried as soon as the door was open. "'I was to be set free from all the dangers of life, "'and here have I been run down by that self-same water-cart, "'and my leg is broken.' "'Dear me,' said the physician, "'this is very sad, "'but I perceive I must explain to you the action of my paint. "'A broken bone is a mighty small affair at the worst of it.' and it belongs to a class of accident to which my paint is quite inapplicable. Sin, my dear young friend, sin is the sole calamity that a wise man should apprehend. It is against sin that I have fitted your art, and when you come to be tempted, you'll give me news of my paint. Oh, said the young man, I, I did not understand that, and, and it seems rather disappointing, but I have no doubt all is for the best, and in the meanwhile I shall be obliged to you if you would set my leg. Oh, that's none of my business, said the physician, but if your bearers will carry you round the corner to the surgeon's, I feel sure he will afford relief. Some three years later, the young man came running to the physician's house in a great perturbation. What is the meaning of this? he cried. Here was I to be set free from the bondage of sin, and I have just committed forgery, arson, and murder. Dear me, said the physician, this is very serious. Off with your clothes at once. 
and as soon as the young man had stripped, he examined him from head to foot. No, he cried with great relief, there's not a flake broken. Cheer up, my young friend, your paint is as good as new. Good God, cried the young man, and what then can be the use of it? Why, said the physician, I, I perceive I must explain to you the nature of the action of my paint. It does not exactly prevent sin, it extenuates instead the painful consequences. It's not so much for this world as for the next. It's not against life. In short, it's against death that I have fitted you out. And when you come to die, you will give me news of my paint. Oh, oh, cried the young man. I, I had not understood that, and it seems a little disappointing. But there's no doubt all is for the best, and in the meanwhile I shall be obliged if you will help me to undo the evil I have brought upon innocent persons. Well, that's none of my business, said the physician. But if you'll go round the corner to the police office, I feel sure it will afford you relief to give yourself up. Six weeks later, the physician was called to the town jail. "'What is the meaning of this?' cried the young man. "'Here am I, literally crusted with your paint, "'and I have broken my leg and committed all the crimes in the calendar "'and must be hanged to-morrow, "'and am in the meanwhile in a fear so extreme "'that I lack words to picture it.' "'Dear me,' said the physician, "'this is really amazing.' Well, well, perhaps uh, if you had not been painted, you would have been more frightened still. The man is called a physician, a medical man, someone who can take care of your health. At first the young man takes his claims at their basic level, believing that the yellow paint will protect his physical health, but he learns that it is effective only against his moral health, and then only as an assurance that he'll go to heaven when he dies. Or, or, in the words of the fable, the young man successively discovers that the yellow paint is, in fact, no protection against the dangers of life and the bondage of sin and the fear of death. Some people who have read this fable I discovered do not make the connection, though, between the elaborate ceremony of painting and the rites of baptism or public confessions of faith or see a connection between this physician and the religious leaders who claim that their path will liberate us from all the problems we face in our life. Just pray is often these leaders' form of yellow paint. It's not just rigid religious leaders, of course, but also the blithe New Age physicians who prescribe various practices and procedures that will solve everything. And and we are so <laughs> we are so desperate in our troublesome lives that, that we may willingly subscribe to their path, especially as is the case in this story, especially if all the citizens in the city also subscribe. We can stand back and delay, but when a crisis arises we look for answers, and the yellow paint or its equivalent will seem very attractive. But then we suffer great disappointment, like the young man in the story, when our health fails, or we suffer an accident, or our moral compass goes astray, and we commit acts both sinful and criminal, and when we are facing imminent death. Where is our physician then? 
Actually, this is the big test about whether the religion is genuine or bogus. In the fable, all the physician can say in the end is, Dear me, this is really amazing. Well, well, per perhaps if you had not been painted, you would have been more frightened still. Yeah, yes, perhaps, but, but, but what kind of comfort is that? The problem, I think, goes back to a theme we've seen appear throughout the fables, a failure of human contact with the real world. This physician believes in his yellow paint, or at least he seems to believe in it. Perhaps he's deeply hypocritical and really just wants some form of power or money, though the story doesn't mention payment. But I don't think we are so much concerned with the physician's beliefs as in the fact that he, he just repeats his claims without any real sympathy for the young man, except for bland expressions of sympathy. Dear me, he says each time. <laughs> What's worse is that he never makes any adjustment to his views or his practice when he sees how things turn out in real life. He, he never questions himself. We, we can recall the reader who throws the book into the fire for expressing views he does not like, or the citizen who kills the traveller who contradicted him. These two wanted to obliterate anything they didn't like. But, but this physician is different. He just ignores anything that goes against his belief, ignores it in the blandest, most cheerful manner you can imagine. And, and there's a little more. Like others we have seen, this physician pays no attention to context, that is, to the situation around him. He sees only his one point of view, which naturally, I think, leads him into a feeling of confidence that he can't go wrong. And this, in turn, creates that smug attitude which is so offensive. Shall we have the fable again? Why not? And as you listen, try to catch the fairy tale qualities here, as we get a repetition of incidents in the classic three times pattern, each repetition slightly different, and each time things getting worse. And how do you feel when we get to the ending? Was it a surprise? Was it expected? And if expected, does that increase or diminish its effect? The yellow paint. In a certain city there lived a physician who sold yellow paint. It was of so singular a virtue that whoso was bedaubed with it from head to heel was set free from the dangers of life and the bondage of sin and the fear of death for ever. Or so the physician said in his prospectus, and so said all the citizens in the city, and there was nothing more urgent in man's hearts than to be properly painted themselves, and nothing they took more delight in than to see others painted. There was, in the same city, a young man of a very good family, but of a somewhat reckless life, who had reached the age of manhood and would have nothing to say to the paint. Tomorrow was soon enough, said he, and when the morrow came, he would still put it off. So he might have continued to do until his death. Only he had a friend of about his own age and much of his own manners, and this youth, taking a walk in the public street, with not one fleck of paint upon his body, was suddenly run down by a water-cart and cut off in the heyday of his nakedness. 
this shook the other to the soul, so that I never beheld a man more earnest to be painted, and on the very same evening, in the presence of all his family, to appropriate music, and himself weeping aloud, he received three complete coats, and a touch of varnish on the top. The physician, who was himself affected even to tears, protested he had never done a job so thorough. Some two months afterwards, the young man was carried on a stretcher to the physician's house. "'What is the meaning of this?' he cried as soon as the door was open. "'I was to be set free from all the dangers of life, "'and here have I been run down by that self-same water-cart, "'and my leg is broken.' "'Dear me,' said the physician, "'this is very sad. "'But I perceive I must explain to you the action of my paint. "'A broken bone is a mighty small affair at the worst of it.' and it belongs to a class of accident to which my paint is quite inapplicable. Sin, my dear young friend, sin is the sole calamity that a wise man should apprehend. It is against sin that I have fitted your art, and when you come to be tempted, you'll give me news of my paint. Oh, said the young man, I, I did not understand that, and, and it seems rather disappointing, but I have no doubt all is for the best, and in the meanwhile I shall be obliged to you if you would set my leg. Oh, that's none of my business, said the physician, but if your bearers will carry you round the corner to the surgeon's, I feel sure he will afford relief. Some three years later, the young man came running to the physician's house in a great perturbation. What is the meaning of this? he cried. Here was I to be set free from the bondage of sin, and I have just committed forgery, arson, and murder. Dear me, said the physician, this is very serious. Off with your clothes at once. And as soon as the young man had stripped, he examined him from head to foot. No, he cried with great relief, there's not a flake broken. Cheer up, my young friend, your paint is as good as new. Good God, cried the young man, and what then can be the use of it? Why, said the physician, I, I perceive I must explain to you the nature of the action of my paint. It does not exactly prevent sin, it extenuates instead the painful consequences. It's not so much for this world as for the next. It's not against life. In short, it's against death that I have fitted you out. And when you come to die, you will give me news of my paint. Oh, oh, cried the young man, I, I had not understood that, and it seems a little disappointing. But there's no doubt all is for the best, and in the meanwhile I shall be obliged if you will help me to undo the evil I have brought upon innocent persons. Well, that's none of my business, said the physician, but if you'll go round the corner to the police office, I, I feel sure it will afford you relief to give yourself up. Six weeks later, the physician was called to the town jail. "'What is the meaning of this?' cried the young man. "'Here am I, literally crusted with your paint, "'and I have broken my leg and committed all the crimes in the calendar, "'and must be hanged to-morrow, "'and am in the meanwhile in a fear so extreme "'that I lack words to picture it.' "'Dear me,' said the physician, "'this is really amazing.' Well, well, perhaps uh, if you had not been painted, you would have been more frightened still. 
We have our own versions of yellow paint, as I touched on briefly a few minutes ago. I think yellow paintism was perhaps a more prominent part of life for Stevenson, whose respectable Edinburgh world centered around going to church twice on Sunday, choosing your church on the grounds of which preachers you approved of, following certain sets of moral guidelines, or, or, or at least appearing to follow them, and blasting anyone who did not conform to those guidelines. Stevenson's father, a charming, loving man much of the time, was also a rigid Presbyterian, with very firm views that he imposed on his son as the only way to reach salvation for his sinful soul. I don't know what Thomas Stevenson would have thought if he'd read this fable, which he probably never did, but I'm sure that Lewis Stevenson found some sort of release from the way his religious culture was suffocating him. The fable became a kind of projection into literature of his own situation, since, like the hero of the story, he too was a young man of a very good family, but of a somewhat reckless life, who had reached the age of manhood and would have nothing to say to the paint. Stevenson found his alternative to the bogus yellow paint in the form of an understanding that the world is multifarious, there are always many valid points of view, and failing and going astray are inevitable parts of human life, from which we should learn and improve ourselves without crushing dogmatic guilt, which gets us nowhere. It all becomes much more complicated when we try to fight against the religious strictures of our society. We fight within a whole social context, and there can be consequences we could never have anticipated. That's what we'll see in our next fable next time. Meet you there.